Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127. Welcome to it. I'm John Fugelsang. For the next three hours, we're coming at you. Live and interactive with a great show tonight. As Twitter crumbles all around us, we will help you find the exits. We have a great one. Chris Hauseltz, our executive producer, heroically running this monster from South Carolina. The incredible Thea Harper keeps us train on the tracks from the Brooklyn Bureau. I come to you from Manhattan. What a show tonight. It's the return of our good friend Rick Unger. He'll be joining us later on this hour. Former host of Steel and Unger right here on Sirius XM. Also, uh, David Rothkopf will be with us in hour number two to talk about his excellent new piece in The Daily Beast, all about the summit this week between Biden and President Xi. What was achieved? What's just hype? And how much of an achievement is it that this thing actually happened a year after a spy balloon is blowing over our country? Headline-wise, I, I want to know your thoughts. Um on everything. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, well, multiple people have been shot at New Hampshire State Hospital in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, so authorities say the gunman has been killed. The UN and other agencies say they're unable to continue sending any of the desperately needed supplies into Gaza, a result of Israeli ground offensives and bombing of infrastructure. The Palestinian Health Authority says that power outages and IDF actions at the Al Shifa Hospital have left every patient in the ICU dead, including many premature infants. Um, Let's get to it. Uh, It's been quite a day. And this just came in. A Colorado judge has ruled that Donald Trump can appear on the 2024 ballots, can appear. She found that he did engage in insurrection by inciting the January 6th attack. But the constitutional prohibition does not apply to the presidency. What do you think of that? I agree with her and disagree with her. I I agree with her that Donald Trump should be on the ballots. I just think it would be a disaster if we didn't. I don't want to give him and his violent fan base a a license to believe they're martyrs. I'm terrified of more violence from these people. And I I don't really know how Democrats can come around saying, hey, Donald Trump is anti-democracy, which he is, and then throw him off the ballot. And tell his millions of deluded mouth-breathing supporters that they don't get to partake in democracy. They don't get to vote for the person they want. I'm sorry. I'm against it. I disagree with this judge because I think the Constitution does apply to the presidency. 14th Amendment says any officer. And that, I think, covers the president. I would believe he's the top of that particular food chain. He did engage in insurrection. He is barred from running again. And I think it would be a disaster. And open up the Democrats to incredible hypocrisy. 
Uh, tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I think the solution here is to let him run, let people in America vote for who they want to vote for, and beat him with humiliating excess. Today is the birthday of a few good friends of this show. Happy birthday to Ernie Hudson, born this date in 1945. Eugene Levy was just on a few months ago, born this date in 1946. Mike Mills of REM has a birthday today. So does my old work wife, Daisy Fuentes, and uh, Gordon Lightfoot, one of our favorite guests who we lost earlier this year. It's also the birthday of Pope Francis and Martin Scorsese, and it was on this date in 1865, the first performance of Franz Schubert's Unfinished Symphony. I have no idea how it ended. Let's get to the show. Tonight, tech bros behaving badly. We have a lot to cover. We want your thoughts on everything. But the big question is, will Elon Musk do anything to drive away anti-Semitism? Personally, I do not see that coming. More like, will he drive away advertisers? You know, Donald Trump's bigotry got him fired from his own reality show. Will Musk's? Could Musk's? Get him laid off from Tesla. But first, uh, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman is leaving the company. This was a big surprise move just announced today. OpenAI is the company that launched ChatGPT a year ago and sparked this AI boom that is inescapable. Um, Altman oversaw OpenAI's restructuring. It started out as a pure nonprofit that was dedicated to just developing artificial general intelligence to an organization. And then in 2019, they shifted it to being a for-profit. They established a big alliance with Microsoft, which invested a lot of money in OpenAI, moved it ahead, provided cloud computing resources that helped it develop their GPT series of large language models. And today, we're told the guy behind all of this is out. The board suggested in their announcement he was fired for not being consistently candid in his communications with the board. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a tech CEO in this country who wasn't completely candid in his communications with a board? I can think of some people who deserve the chair. Mira Marati, the chief technology officer, will serve as the interim CEO as of now. This is because corporate boards, you see, get to remove CEOs. Let me say that again for some of you folks that might have Tesla stock. Corporate boards have the power to remove CEOs, which brings us to apartheid McBrat face. Let's let's talk about someone we're all sick of talking about, shall we? 2022, a year ago, right? He bought Twitter. That's what its name is. He bought Twitter and had major cuts to content moderation around hate speech. And what did that lead to? We know what it led to. It led to a lot more hate speech. That was protected because it was free speech. Now he has a backlash that, if you may have already heard about it. But let's be honest, Elon Musk may have been an apartheid baby, born a millionaire into the exploited riches of his gem mine owning dad. But in fairness, he grew up to be a right wing activist who made Twitter a hub for white supremacists and neo Nazis. He rolled out the red carpet for the bigots. You remember, he personally made sure to reinstate the accounts of so many white nationalists, so many neo Nazis that had been thrown off that page. Elon said, Hey guys, welcome home. He would not enforce their policies of barring anti Semitic content. He won't do it. He claims we have to let these racists and bigots ride wild and free, because that's what free speech is all about. Never mind the fact that adults know free speech has a long time committed romantic partner called consequences. He doesn't care about that. Elon 
like many pathetic men, wants to grow up and be Joe Rogan, to be Lord of the Dude Bros. It dictates everything. This unlikable man's desperate need to be liked. He engaged with a ton of hate mongers. He paid shared ad revenue to one pro-Hitler account we know of. And it's been a surge of bigoted content on the site as he's renamed it X. The worst people on the Internet know they can come there and say whatever they want, no matter how despicably. And this brat will let it fly. Now, again, I I, I want to be fair here. I, we have to now distinguish when we talk about the anti-Semitism and bigotry pushed on Elon Musk's Twitter. We have to distinguish that from the anti-Semitism and bigotry pushed by Elon Musk himself. <laughs> See, I generally don't call it X. I think America's got enough websites that prominently feature the letter X to manage. But here's what happened. Uh, a poster on Twitter, uh, an October 2021 account. Someone who's only been there two years, has 5,000 followers. Again, someone who created this account just two years ago. Someone who 10 months after Donald Trump left office said, oh, I, th I think I'll start a Twitter account. Said, Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest shit now about Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing realization that those hordes of minorities that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much. Let's get beyond the terrible grammar with that one. Um, now, Elon could have said, okay, dude, that's anti-Semitic, that's racist, that's dishonest, you're off my site. Elon could have said, dude, you're, you're pushing white supremacist great replacement theory, you're off my site. Elon could have said, which Jewish communities are you speaking of? What do you mean when you say Western Jewish populations? You're saying all American Jews hate whites? It seems like that's what you're saying, but I'll give you a chance to clarify before I kick you off my site. Elon could have said, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you chicken shits quote a single actual Jewish person who you think pushes dialectical hatred against whites? Name them. Show me a single actual Jewish person by name who, who claims to want people to stop using the exact kind of bigotry again, blah, blah, blah. D name names. This kind of language is the exact kind of language that, that links Jewish people to anti-white sentiment and non-white immigration. Does it sound familiar? Is it ringing any bells for y'all from the not-too-distant past? Because this was the theory used by the gunman in the 2018 Pittsburgh Tree of Life synagogue shooting, which left 11 people dead, including a Holocaust survivor. That Jewish people in America are anti-white. Jewish people in America are behind all these brown people emigrating to the country. Elon could have brought any of this up to this poster. He didn't. Instead, he replied, You have said the actual truth. That's America's richest man endorsing an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that essentially says you liberal Jews are getting what you deserve. You know, college kids are getting banned from ever having Wall Street jobs right now because they don't like the treatment of the Palestinians. This guy gets government contracts and your tax dollars into his millionaire at birth pockets of his big boy pants. Venture capital firms have invested hundreds of millions 
in helping this guy, this clumsy, bigoted oaf, this ignoramus who has no sense of being able to read the room he's in. These venture capital firms and presumably the Saudi royal family have invested so much money for him to buy this website so he can literally publicly endorse bigoted tropes that have been used to justify mass murders of Jews. Am I making too much of a thing out of it? 164 Jewish rabbis and activists up their call to Apple and Google and Amazon and Disney to stop advertising on X when this happens. And they asked Apple and Google to remove it from their platforms. So here's what happened. Because again, America, not that bad. Americans, generally speaking, eventually, after a few decades, get around to doing the right thing. Or days. So Tesla's stock sank hard yesterday. They lost tens of billions of dollars in market value. IBM, Lionsgate, and the European Union all announced that they were going to stop advertising on Twitter. IBM, by the way, had a million dollars in ads for the next three months. They walked away. And now today we learned Apple is pausing all advertising on ex-Twitter after Elon endorses this anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, racist, anti-Jewish conspiracy theory. Apple is by far the biggest company to pull away from Twitter X. But again, these companies were already mad. I don't know if you follow Media Matters for America, but you should. I recommend subscribing and reading all of their stuff. They published a report yesterday that showed that Apple and IBM and Amazon and Oracle were among the corporations that bought advertising space on Twitter X and then had their ads appear next to far-right Jew-hating posts. Now, why, you might ask, why would Twitter take big corporate ads from major companies like Amazon and Oracle and IBM and put them next to anti-Semitic content? Can, can I give you the answer? Because there's a ton of pro-Hitler, white nationalist, Holocaust denial, anti-black, anti-brown, neo-Nazi content all over this disgraced shithole of a once enjoyable website. It's not a coincidence. It probably wasn't even by design. He's messy. He's sloppy. If you don't believe me, Google sometime how many kids he's had with how many women. Google sometime how many kids of his won't speak to him and have changed their last name. Google sometimes how he showed his dick to the help on a SpaceX flight and had to pay big bucks. Well, he hit on her. I'm not saying he showed his dick. We don't know. But I, you, just, you want to believe it, don't you? I do so the ADL denounced Musk again and said it's unacceptable to repeat the hideous lie behind the most fatal act of anti-Semitism in American history. Oh, I'm sorry. That actually was the United States government. <laughs> the United States government pushed back pretty hard. And I was really impressed. Uh, this is from Andrew Bates in the White House. It is unacceptable to repeat the hideous lie behind the most fatal act of anti-Semitism in American history at any time, let alone one month after the deadliest day for the Jewish people since the Holocaust. That's White House spokesman Andrew Bates. But you can bet money Joe Biden signed off on that language. Now, don't worry, though, if you're a fan of Elon, because uh, ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino, oh, she activated right away. Boy, is she heroic. He just makes a mess, and she shows up and says everything's fine because he pays her to do that. She said in a post today, the company's been extremely clear about our efforts to combat anti-Semitism and discrimination. She said, there's no place for it anywhere in the world. It's ugly and wrong, full stop. And that's a lie, because there is a place for anti-Semitism and discrimination. It's on Twitter. And it's there because free speech matters more than stopping the spread of hatred, especially when you're cashing in. 
An ex-executive told uh, Axios last night they did a sweep on the accounts Media Matters found and they will no longer be monetizable. That's terrific. But again, the White House pushed back hard on this. And, and, you know, I don't have time for an emotionally damaged, morally crippled by his own privilege, millionaire at birth, narcissist, fuck-up bigot who always blames others for his fuck-ups. I'm dealing with Trump. But as I said at the top of this, Donald Trump got fired from his own reality show. Why is it hard to believe Elon Musk could be fired from his own car company? Can I also point out that Volkswagen, it took some time, but they took a few years and really did a good job of separating themselves from the historical associations they enjoyed with anti-Semitic Nazis. Tesla, good luck. I know it's early. Now, here are the companies that have pulled ads from Twitter over the past 24 hours. Thank you to, from, to Angelo from Media Matters for this list. IBM, Apple, Comcast, NBC, Lionsgate, Disney, Warner Brothers Discovery, Paramount. Folks, Elon Musk has scared away more sponsors than Andy Dick at Betty Ford. I know a lot of you are shutting down your accounts. And I understand that, and I'm not going to try to tell you not to. A lot of people are saying I can no longer justify remaining on this platform. It's a home for right-wing bigots, and it's owned by an anti-Semitic douchebag. And I get that. I know a lot of you are leaving. I have lost about 28,000 followers since Apartheid McBratface took this thing over a year ago. I won't be leaving yet. Twitter is overrun with racists and homophobes and bigots and fascists and cowards. But so is America. And I'm not moving out of America. I'm going to stay here and fight for it. You know, I used to ask my parents, why do you stay in the Catholic Church when you don't agree with so much what the Pope stands for? When you don't like how right-wing and mean the Church has gotten, why do you stay there? And they said, because we're waiting for a different Pope. We're willing to fight for our religion. I'm willing to fight for America. I'm not ready to leave yet. And I kind of feel the same way about Twitter. I will say it's a lot less fun than it used to be. But I'll stick around. There's enough good people. Marley Matlin wrote me earlier tonight and asked what she should do. I got to write her back. I don't even, I mean, when Mar I, I turned to Marley Matlin for advice on what to do in life, not the other way around, but I'll be staying. And I'll also be posting on the other ones on counter social and spoutable. And I'll post on Instagram and I'll post on Facebook, especially if I ever get my Facebook profile back and I'll post on Mastodon and I'll post on post. I'll post on spoutable, um, ancestry.com threads, LinkedIn and tribal and friendster, MySpace whatever i'm desperate I'll, po I'll post wherever i could post but just think about it it's like this whole planet is now a reality show where donald trump vladimir putin kanye west and elon musk all make extremely bad choices and this tv show is always on and the rest of us are forced to keep watching it we want to know what you think. We're at 866-997-4748. We'll be right back with your calls and the return of Mr. Rick Unger to our airwaves. This is Progress After Dark, and I'm so glad you're with us. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued, 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. Right now, I am so pleased to welcome back to the show our good friend, one of the best guys in the game. I think I had the honor of putting this man on TV for the first time once in L.A. At least he told me that. Um, I have had the great blessing of working with this man on television and on the radio and even on stage. Rick Unger is a great political pundit and talk show host who for years co-hosted the very popular Steele and Unger show on the POTUS channel with former RNC chair, our friend Michael Steele. Um, Rick is one of the best in the game at mixing it up and engaging in positive ways with conservative voices. You've seen him do it on Fox and Newsmax, and of course, on his own Rick Unger show, it is always a great pleasure to welcome Mr. Unger back to Sirius XM. Hello, Rick. Hello, John. All right, look, a couple things I got to get out of the way. First, yes. just quickly, you're absolutely right. You did put me on television before anybody else. That is a fact. But more importantly, I listened to your first segment, and all I can say is bravo. That was. Thank you freaking fantastic and you absolutely totally nailed that piece of you know what thank you thank you for saying so rick we we do that every night now on the show we open with a big long 20 minute impassioned rant that i spend my entire day writing and uh and it and it keeps me off tv so thank you i'm very honored (laughs) (laughs) um it's so nice to have you back rick for those who who don't know how are you how have you been I've been good. I've been taking it easy for uh, for a year or so, uh, pretending that I'm retired. It's not entirely working out, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, I, I tried, and 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 I'm I'm still I'm not working anywhere near as hard as I used to, but I'm keeping my hand in. But I'm I'm happy. I'm good. I'm out on Long Island, surrounded by trees and grandchildren, and life is good. And by the way, you're in a very special part of Long Island because you belong to a very special community that went for Joe Biden by double digits and then sent to our Congress one George (laughs) Santos, if that is his real name. Yeah, well, that's true. We did uh, elect uh, the president and we did send George Santos to Congress. Um, I, I take that as a real badge of honor. (laughs) <laughs> people who were shocked by it i was like well you you i grew up on long island i'm not shocked by a thing but it, it has been really interesting to see how he really did it by ran as a republican by appealing to jews ran as a republican by appealing to the lgbt community and ran as a republican by appealing to nassau county folk 
who cared about 9-11. And it was lies, lies, lies in all cases. I mean, I, you, I, I can't really hold it against your district because the people in your district voted for a different person than the one serving now. You know who I hold it against? I hold it against his opponents. First yeah. of all, I mean, his direct opponent. But even before that, in the primary, a good friend of mine ran for the Democratic nomination. And when all of this broke, I called him and I said, did you know all this stuff? And he said, no. And I said, how the hell could you not? There's a thing called opposition Opposition research. research. It's your obligation. You and Mr. Zimmerman, who did run against him, you guys had a responsibility to find out all of this stuff and you didn't do it. So, yeah, you, you deserve to get beat, but you left us stuck with this guy. I mean, if I may, Rick, I think it's a failure of democratic opposition research, but it's also a failure of mainstream journalism. It's a failure of the Long Island no voting question. public, and it's a it's a failure of the Republican Party. And they're the ones who now own it. I mean, Jamie Raskin was saying for a long time he deserves his due process. As of yesterday, he's had his due process, and there is a very good chance this man will be thrown out of the House even though the GOP only has their four-seat majority, it looks like there's a very yeah. good chance at least there'll be another vote to throw him out of the House for his fraud be, and ethics rules and, and, and illegally using campaign funds for personal use. There will be a vote probably the day after they return from Thanksgiving break. And my information is he's gone. Yeah, I mind as well. And I kind of think it's a mistake, Rick. I think the Democratic Party can get rid of this guy and they can brag about that for a day. Or they can let the Republican Party own him (laughs) and let him be a drag on the party in an election year and let him go to trial in September right before the big election begins and let his trial be the Republican face of the House of Representatives. I I, I think think Democrats are crazy to let this guy go instead of fundraising off of him. They're going to get the seat in early 2025 anyway. So just stick it out one more year. They got a problem now. Your 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 strategy is, of course, on the nose. The problem is, is any Democrat who doesn't vote to toss him out. And for, at this point, almost any Republican who doesn't vote to toss him out is going to have to answer some really brutal questions back home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what's weighing on them. Maybe, but I don't see any liberals defecting from a Democrat to a Republican because he said, oh, I I think uh, he deserves a trial or I think it's up to the vote. Let the voters decide. I mean, all you got to do is just say the voters in his district should decide, not me, and then just leave him there. I I think he's of much (laughs) more use to the Democrats in the Congress. And let's make him even more famous. But I I know I'm in the minority. I can't argue the point. It's completely valid. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you about these polls, Mr. Unger. I've been dying to ask you about these polls that, as I point out in every appearance I do, are not polls of a random sampling of Americans. They're polls of people who answer landline phones and they're polls of people who answer their cell phones when they don't know who the other caller is. That's who's behind all this. Um, Having said all of it, what do you think of the dire straits that our media wants us to believe Joe Biden is in for his reelection? Is this something to be feared or is this a good thing because it's going to wake the Democrats up, make sure there's zero complacency, get people working really hard right now and remind us that the choice isn't really a, a, a Biden or another guy. The choice is Trump or not Trump. Well, I mean, first of all, there's a few things we have to acknowledge about polls at this point in time, which is you know a year before the election and the fact that they're not state based polls. They're national polls. National polls are useless. Absolutely 
positively useless. I, I love to remind people that similar polls taken a year before Obama ran against Romney had Obama losing huge. That's right. Reagan, too. So, Reagan, too. That's absolutely correct. So, I mean, it, these polls are of no value. I will say this. I got a little bit shook at the New York Times poll last weekend, which showed Biden losing uh, in in some of the battleground states, because those were state polls taken by a decent pollster. And yes, and people aren't focused yet and all that stuff. But it did it did cause me some concern. I think that Joe Biden does have a real problem. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. And, and I should preface that by saying, I think Joe Biden has done a really good job as president. Tell me. Tell me. I think so, too. I'm, I, I will tell everyone I, I, I'm delighted at how shocked I am. And yeah. having grown up with many different Joe Bidens in my life, you know, I, I, I dug the anti-apartheid Joe Biden in the 80s. Didn't really like the crime bill, Joe Biden. Uh, right. Didn't like the plagiarizing Joe Biden in the 80s. Loved the pro-gay marriage before Obama, Vice President Biden. You know, didn't didn't love the Iraq war, Biden. Like, But old Joe, Rick, old Joe Biden gets shit yeah. done. I am astonished with this divided a Congress, a Congress 50-50. And he's managed to do more than any president in my lifetime. And that sums it up. You just summed up exactly what I would say. I don't know exactly how he's doing it, but he's getting shit done. Yeah. And in most cases, I think he's 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 getting good stuff done. He's been remarkable. And and let's not even touch on on foreign policy. You and I are talking about domestic legislation that he's mm-hmm. managed to get through a, a Congress that you wouldn't think he could get it through his his abilities when it comes to foreign policy, you know, I hate to be a Republican and have to take shots at that. Yeah. The only thing they can do is talk about a line that he muffs during a speech. Yeah. Which, I by, mean, look, by the way, people yeah. should keep in mind, he's been doing that since he was 40 years old. Doing what? Muffing. Flubbing things? Well, yeah. Yeah. He's always had gaffes. I mean, he's yeah. always had gaffes. Donald Trump has incredible racism and lies, plus gaffes. And mm-hmm. Joe Biden has gaffes. I, I don't really understand how the GOP is going to try to get their core base to turn out if their whole platform is going to be about smearing the aged. Rick, I, I, you know, I, I say on the, on, in stand-up all the time, when I talk about Biden, I say I don't mind having a president who's not thinking about his mistress or what his next job's going to be. I, I really don't mind having an 80-year-old. He seems to get more shit done than the 40- and 50-year-olds. He really does. I mean, I, I had not expected that. So, you know, the polls are, to go back to your original question, the polls are a little bit concerning, uh, but only certain polls. As I say, the, that Correct. New York Times thing uh, did upset me a little bit. Uh, the other polls mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. We are taking your calls, by the way, at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. I have to ask you about the former host of Celebrity Apprentice, Donald Trump, Rick. Um Ooh. Yeah, that guy. You know, I, I got off stage in the Berkshires a couple of weeks ago, and there was this angry right. conservative lady, and she said to me, you know, Republicans are half the country. And I had to tell her, actually, they're 27 percent of the country. Right. <laughs> Trump's got slightly more than half of 27 percent of the country. That's the numbers we're talking about here. Do you believe that there is a, still this horse race in spite of all the corruption and lies and incompetence we've seen? Is is there still a horse race because the media needs 
the horse race and the people who own the media really miss their Trump-sized ratings? Because I, I, I think a year from now, Mr. Unger, and I've begun saying this, we're going to be voting for a reality show. It really is. And I, I think Democrats yeah. should skew it this way. You're not voting Biden or Trump. You're voting for Celebrity Apprentice Survivor Edition, and you're either voting to make Trump president or send Trump to jail. That's essentially the choice Americans will have next November. It's it's a very, very hard question to answer, because if you had asked me the same question in 2016, I would have said, no, there's no way that this this guy wins. This is this is the media pumping it up because it's getting them a lot of great returns. But he did win. He did win. So that he won the electoral. He won the electoral college. The American people chose the email lady. But yeah, he did. The fact that he that he got enough to even get to the electoral college was not something that I anticipated. Yes. The the moral to the story is as crazy as it seems, there are an enormous number of people out there who will vote for Donald Trump. Now, the question that you're really asking is, are there enough people who really aren't Democrats or Republicans, really don't give a crap about any of that stuff, Mm -hmm. who are going to be sensible and say, look, Joe Biden may be old, but he's not a lunatic. (laughs) So that's that's the question that you're asking. And I don't know how to answer that question. As I say, in 2016, I would have had an easy answer to that question, but I would have been wrong. I think Biden's going to fall back on what he's always fall back on, which has always helped him, which is his belief. Don't judge me by the almighty. Judge me by the alternative. I think women will say, well, I can have this guy or I can have the guy who, you know, brought about the ending of Roe v. Wade. Um, yeah. Young people can say I can have the old guy who decriminalized weed at the federal level or the guy who wants to escalate the drug war. Uh, Muslims will be able to say, well, uh, I don't like how Biden gave too much support to Netanyahu, but I don't think I want the racist bigot who wants to have a ban on Muslims entering the country. I, I feel there's... like a year from now, all of these debates will be forgotten. It'll just be this choice and it won't matter which man is which. There's there's only one problem that I see in that analysis You're ascribing sensible, reasonable, rational thought patterns to those different demographics you just named. I cannot Mm. for the life of me figure out how young people right now are not supporting Joe Biden. And I don't know if that will change over the next year. I don't know what is in their head. But there's a lot of things these days in the heads of young people that were very different than what was in our heads when we were young people. So I don't know. I don't know if if I can rely on that good sense to shine through. What they may end up doing is just staying home and not coming out at all. The only, yeah, that's my concern. The only demographic that I have some confidence in are women. Yeah. I think we have learned over the past couple of years and past couple of elections that women are not screwing around when it comes to the abortion issue. Correct. They mean they mean to do something about it. So I, I have some confidence in them. Rick, earlier today, uh, we heard more conflicting reports about what the situation is regarding a temporary ceasefire or a humanitarian pause or whatever we're, we're, we're calling it now. Uh, we heard about possible plans to release, uh, have Hamas release 50 of their hostages yeah. in exchange, all women and children, in exchange for 50 women and children being released from Israeli jail. Uh, obviously, we don't know what the status of that is. 
We don't know the status of a lot, but uh, all we know is that this war in the Middle East has certainly put Vladimir Putin's brutal war against Ukraine on the back burner. Boy, has where, do you, bo- where do we begin, Rick? Um, first off, are, are, are your loved ones all safe? Did you have anyone affected by what happened? No, I, I, I thank God I did not. I got to tell you, John, what's really, really been just occupying my mind almost nonstop is the reaction in this country. It yeah. there there are so many surface reasons for both sides to the reaction. Look, I have been a sympathizer of the Palestinian people's plight for a very, very, very you long have. time. You have. I have hated the Netanyahu regime for a very, very, very long time. Yes, sir. You have. That said, when I see all these folks out there protesting as pro-Palestinians, it leaves me scratching my head for a couple of reasons. The first question that I want them to answer for me is, what do you want the Israelis to do? And the second question I want them to answer, if you're pro-Palestinian, how do you not get that Hamas mistreats the Palestinians Way worse exactly. than what you may think the Israelis do. And by the way, oh, there I, is I some, think both sides. I think both sides are, are pretty indifferent to Palestinian suffering. But yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think people have a reason to have a gripe about the way Israel has treated the Palestinians. I do. Uh, but that is not a justification to just dismiss the terror attacks that took place on the Israeli people and those yep. deaths. Now they're complaining, or I don't know if that's the word, but 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 now they're talking about you're killing, they're saying, Israel, you're killing children in Gaza. Well, you know what? I think that's probably true. Horrible. It is true. It is true. But true. But you know what? What are the choices? Somebody tell me. We know it's not a secret. It's been known for years. Hamas puts their, their military centers in places like hospitals, of course, they, they put them in 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 where there's a large population center, apartment buildings or whatever. They use those people as shields. This is not new news. The if the Israelis do not deal with the Hamas problem, Hamas already told us they said it two days after their attack that there was going to be a lot more of these. Yeah, they did. They did. But so, Rick, is, so, is there my, my problem? What I struggle with is I see no military solution to this. Yes, Hamas ah. has to go. But I, for me, like I maybe I'm simple. I have a very easy time saying Israel deserves a better leader. Netanyahu is a corrupt gangster thug. Israel deserves to have neighbors that recognize their right to exist and to live in freedom. And I think uh, I have no problem saying Palestine deserves freedom and independence and control of their own borders and better leadership. And Hamas are Nazi terrorists that need to be gone. I mean, I I, I know that any kind of two state solution will leave many people on both sides angry. And I pray that the upcoming generation of Palestinians and Israelis are committed to a different way. I, I, I don't see how more violence makes Israelis safer. And I can't help but think that a lot of this is Netanyahu trying desperately to cling on to his own power. Well, because I, if Hamas think- ever disappeared, if Hamas did disappear, he'd be out of a job for sure. And vice versa, his kind of no politics question. keeps Hamas in business. 
No question. Listen, I mean, every word you just said was not simple. It was it was smart and sensible uh, there. The only place where I might disagree a bit is there will be continued violence if we do not experience the violence we're experiencing now. Hamas won't quit. They must be gotten rid of. But to everything else you said, what you just described is a two state solution. And to anybody who's a thinking human being, that has always been the answer with a couple of, of, of codicils attached to that. Israel can't just say, OK, you got it. Palestine, you got your own country. Now go have your country and leave us alone. That's not going to work. And this is where Israel, to me, has committed its biggest sins. Mm. You have yeah. to be prepared. Israel is a very rich country and good for them. They've earned every penny of it. But they have to be prepared not just to say, Palestine, go live and be well, leave us alone. They have to be prepared to help them build an economy. Yeah. They're going to have to. You can't have and a country without an economy. And Gaza could be a, a real incredible beach resort community that could eventually pay for itself and bring sure. about some more. Equity. But Israel's going to have to spend a little money on it. Exactly. They are. And they exactly can afford they it. And, and I and have a funny feeling we chip in, too. And a lot of people in Palestine are going to have to forgive Israel for the carpet bombing campaigns on civilian right. territories we've seen for the last 40 days. I, I don't think it's going to be easy. Mr. Unger, while I have you, before I lose you, I just want to say if you uh, have any thoughts on uh, Ron DeSantis finally making it to fourth place in the Republican field. He is now behind Chris Christie, behind uh, Nikki Haley, but he still is wailing one point ahead of Vivek Ramaswamy. Couldn't have happened to a better guy, could it, Rick? He is such a yutz. I mean, as you say, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. He is such a horrible, horrible human being. And I don't say that about every politician I disagree yeah. with. Yeah, he just too. is a horrible human being. Well, it's pathetic. He just he just doubled down on the craven cruelty of MAGA without yeah. realizing in 2018, 2020 or 2022 that the majority of Americans, including those independents you're going to actually need, don't go for that. I mean, he right. learned nothing. He just learned. Let's be meaner to trans children and migrants. That's the way he, he knows how to get the nomination, doesn't know how to win a general election. And it seems like he doesn't know how to get a nomination anymore. How can I you, was going to say, how I can you be a Donald Trump get a nomination? How can you be a Trump tribute band when the real thing is playing across the street? That's that is a problem. Same with uh, Ovivik. He's he's trying. He takes the words out of Trump's mouth. Literally, he was out there talking about vermin today. Yeah. What a shock. What a shock. It's going to be great watching him crash and burn. Mr. Unger, it is so good to have you back on our show. What is the best way for our evil army of the night to follow you and keep up with all your thoughts and doings? It's hard to do these days, but I am still on Twitter or X, uh, although I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be. Something I'm wrestling with right now. I don't know. How do you find me? Uh <laughs> Tune into the to, to the John Fugel thing. Show. Tune in here. Well, listen. I hope you'll come back and join us more, Rick. I've missed you terribly, I and it's great to have will. you, sir. It's great Thank to you. talk with you. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend. And if I don't talk to you, have a great Thanksgiving. Mr. Rick Unger, everyone. He is still on Twitter. Hopefully, back here more often. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is progress.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight, because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. Let's go to the phones. Bruce in California, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on Sirius XM. Oh, hi. How's it going? Good. Um, how are you? I did good. I, you know, I, I was a, a loyal listener to Steel and Unger, and I do remember, and I, I, I've always wanted to ask Rick this question, when the email, remember when they were thinking about indicting Hillary? Yes. Remember? Yes. Well, both Michael Steele and Rick Unger were 99% sure that they, they, that she was going to be an indicted and they thought, and Rick and Mike both thought she should have been indicted, which mm. now I've always thought that's Rick. Why? Next time he's on, you can call him because it was in fact, yeah. Donald Trump's department of justice that exonerated her and fired Jim Comey. Their official reason for firing Comey. Let's not forget was the horrible way he treated Hillary Clinton. That was the official reason. Right. Exactly. But I, I mean, I love Rick, but that was one thing I didn't get. I mean, I hear you. Now, Rick, uh, and like I said, Michael Steele was a lot different back then. He was very, uh, I don't think he was pro-Trump, but he was still. Never, he was never pro-Trump. But again, I wouldn't blame anyone who thought Hillary Clinton was going to get convicted, because I remember how the media pushed that narrative oh, so well, ferociously. Exactly. That was the problem. But yeah. um, I did call you about one other thing. Are you familiar? You're familiar with the Isaac Asimov quote about... Uh, I mean, I could read it, but I... What is it? Which uh, one? There's a cult of ignorance in the United States, and there always yes. has been. Yes, it's a great yeah. one. Yeah, exactly, and that's, I mean, that's that's the problem we've always had, but it's it's really bad right now. I mean, it's... The strain of anti-intellectualism, the strain of anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life, nurtured by the false notion democracy means my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. Exactly. So the like these knuckle dragging Neanderthal magas have the same yeah. what we do. I know. I know that's democracy, but it's just it's just, <laughs> it's scary, is what it is. I know, but remember, there's more of us, and that helps if we all show up to vote, man. Bruce, thank you so much for the call. 
Next time Rick's on, I promise to make him feel uncomfortable with your call. We'll be back in just a moment with more of your calls and the great David Rothkoff. This is Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress. Right now, I'm so pleased to welcome our next guest back. In his new piece for The Daily Beast, he writes, Had Donald Trump been the U.S. president hosting this week's APEC meetings between the U.S. and China, I have no doubt that the headline from the event would have been unchanged. It would have been, he's a dictator. The only difference is, it would be Xi Jinping who was saying it to describe Trump. David Rothkopf is CEO of the Rothkopf Group. That's a media company that produces podcasts like Deep State Radio, which he hosts. He's also an author of many excellent books, including uh, Great Questions of Tomorrow and Traitor, A History of Betraying America from Benedict Arnold to Donald Trump, as his most recent book, American Resistance, The Inside Story of How the Deep State Saved the Nation, is one of the best books you will read about the institutions Donald Trump tried to destroy that preserved democracy as we know it. It's a great pleasure. Pleasure to welcome David Rothkoff back to SiriusXM. It's a pleasure to be back. How are you, John? It's great to see you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm, I'm doing really well. It's been quite an eventful week, and it's nice to end it with a few nice flourishes and moments of grace. I, I really felt like maybe the greatest victory from this Apex Summit was the fact that it actually happened in the first place. If you told me at the beginning of the year with the Chinese spy balloon business, uh, I would have thought Joe Biden could never even entertain having a summit like this. And as you point out, I, if Donald Trump had been president right now, I'm sure he would have used it to advertise the Live Golf Tournament somehow. Um, why? Wh- how big were the stakes for this, David? I think the stakes are enormous. Uh, the U.S.-China relationships, the most important relationship in the world, despite the fact that we're distracted um, by important, you know, issues in in Europe and the Middle East. What's going on in the Indo-Pacific region uh, is really going to drive the future, no matter what you're looking at, whether it's military rivalries and competitions or the future of artificial intelligence or the future of economic growth. Um, And so hosting this meeting um, was a big deal, uh, particularly being able to sit down with Xi Jinping and being able to establish a kind of real candid dialogue again. Uh, And it had some important deliverables, restoring our military to military communications, working together to stop the flow of fentanyl into the United States, beginning the process of working together to reduce the risks of artificial intelligence. Um, You know, so it was not just for show. It was productive. uh, And Biden conducted himself like a president. And it's important to remember that because, you know, Donald Trump's running again. Uh, When Donald Trump first met Xi Jinping, his main takeaway was he said, we love each other. Uh, he also got a few copyrights approved for himself That's and right, his daughter. Um, and, you know, then he was yawing all over the pond during the remainder of his term with, you know, racist names for COVID and, you know, in, in getting involved in trade disputes that ended up really hurting um, American farmers, among others. Uh, and not helping us, not achieving anything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we got to say, well, do we want to go back there? Do we want to have 
the clown show return to our foreign policy when the issues are so important. Um, and I think Biden provided a useful reminder of what normal presidenting is all about. Yeah. And, and by the way, David's piece in Daily Beast, I recommend it highly. It's called Biden skillfully handled Xi Jinping's U.S. visit in ways Trump simply never could. And I think maybe my favorite part about it all is you, you talk about how Biden did such a great job in the press conference and handled questions about human rights and the rivalry in Ukraine and Gaza. But you point out something that is right there in our faces, but no one ever talks about it. We're looking at these two old men being the competition again in 2024 after 2020. And it's literally a contest between the U.S. president with by far the most foreign policy experience of any of the 45 men who've ever held the job versus the man with the absolute least such experience who didn't really seem to learn too much during his time in the Oval Office. Uh, I know hypotheticals are dangerous, but your piece is great. What might it have been like, Mr. Rothkoff, if Donald Trump had been the president trying to set up a meeting with Xi Jinping? Well, we could only speculate. I mean, a week ago, he couldn't remember whether Xi Jinping or Kim Jong-un ran China, right? So oh my God, he's right. he's not, you know, in full possession of his faculties. Um, he uh, is somebody who, uh, uh, you know, is narcissistic. He, he wants the relationship to be about him. As you point out, probably would have tried to have it at the Trump Doral uh, you know, <laughs> resort in Miami. You know it. He, he tried, I yeah. mean, he tried to do that with the the 2020 G7 meeting. He sure did. Um, despite the uh, Trump Doral's history of bed bugs. Um, and, you know, <laughs> there's, be he, there's Bedminster, sir. There's Bedminster. There's lots of no, Trump no, well, properties they could play golf in. Yeah, no, that's that that's <laughs> true. And 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 no doubt. If Trump is reelected, that is where we will be greeting the world's leaders. Um, but Trump's extremely erratic. He doesn't understand anything about foreign policy. He thinks he can solve every problem with personality. And okay. it just didn't work. You know, I mean, he 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 he, he cozied up to dictators. Uh, he achieved uh, nothing in his exchanges with those dictators. The world uh, lost respect for the United States. If you look at all the polls of public opinion of U.S. standing during Trump and during Biden, the swing back to approval of the United States was 25, 30 percent in country after country after country. That's because right. Biden, as you say, you know, George H.W. Bush was long thought to be the most experienced foreign policy president of this modern era because yeah. he had 17 years of dealing with foreign policy before he became president. Biden has three times that. Three yeah. times that. Biden began dealing with foreign policy issues in the early 70s when he became a senator when he was 29 years old. It's it's why it, in the midst of this, you know, Israel uh issue he was able to harken back and talk about an exchange with Golda Meir. That's you know, right. He, you know, he's 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 got this depth of experience. And just to, to one last point, you know, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, my God, he called him a dictator. Yeah, let me and ask you. I that. actually I actually thought. This is Biden. He, yep. he speaks the truth. He's not cowed by Xi Jinping, as many uh, American leaders and others have been. And he knows the underlying fact, which is 
70-year-old Xi Jinping knows he's a dictator. Yeah. He's he's been being a tougher dictator for the past few years than he's ever been. That's right. uh, and while he knows the you know Chinese government's going to complain about it, it's not going to change the relationship. It's nope. just going to send a message that Joe Biden is going to be Joe Biden. He's going to call it like he sees it. And the United States is not going to be cowed by Xi Jinping the way, for example, Trump was cowed by Vladimir Putin. Exactly. As you put it in your excellent piece about the dictator comment, the remark will do no damage to the relationship. What it will do is underscore that the president of the U.S. has a mind of his own and that he is able to promote dialogue, make progress and communicate clearly that he has his eyes wide open. You know, Biden could have chosen different language or glided past it. But if he'd come out and said, no, I don't believe he is a dictator, it would have been weakness because everyone would know he didn't really mean it. He told the truth. I, I contrast this with Donald Trump, who can't seem to decide what he thinks about Xi Jinping. Thank you for pointing out that in the early days of COVID, Trump bent over backwards to praise China, to praise Xi, and to make sure everyone in the world knew what a great job China was doing of handling this harmless coronavirus that's going to go away with the warm weather, you'll see. Of course, when that didn't happen, Trump pivoted hardcore to blaming China, and as you pointed out, the Kung flu, the China virus, the never-ending racist taunts, which really existed so the fans would blame China as a distraction from blaming them from Donald Trump's lethal incompetence during the plague. Yeah, and even before that, Donald Trump essentially sent the message to Xi Jinping, uh, I'm not going to bring up the crackdowns in Hong Kong. I'm not going to call you out on what you're doing with the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Yeah. I'm going to you know, give you a pass. Um, and that was fatal weakness. And I find it remarkable that the people are going after Biden for telling the truth that we'll have no negative effect on the relationship and likely a positive effect are forgetting um, the, the 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 weakness of Trump. Or as you just pointed out, imagine he didn't say that. Imagine somebody said, is he a dictator? And he goes, well, well, no, no, he's not. You know, the, the, the message would have been ghastly because imagine he the is. Right wing. Imagine Fox News. Imagine Hannity saying, oh, well, Mr. President, China's dictator is a di Oh, they would have had an umbrage gasm. It, but no, exactly. And 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 so in that situation, Joe Biden offered the only appropriate answer, which had the added advantage of being the truth. David, before I let you go into your weekend, I, I have to ask you about your other recent piece for Daily Beast, which is called Republicans are fighting a war on democracy all over America. This was the week where Donald Trump pretty much published his book, um, How to Talk Like Hitler and Influence Mouth Breathers. You know, you, you write all about how the GOP is marching out of the closet, proclaiming its opposition to democracy, the Nazi rhetoric we're seeing all over the place. What 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 baffles me, sir, is... Donald Trump is 22 points ahead of his nearest rival in the most recent GOP polling. They know from 2018, 2020, and 2022 that the racist stuff doesn't work with most people. It only works with the base. The media has done a bit of hand-wringing all week about Donald Trump's exquisite use of Nazi imagery and mirroring direct Hitler quotes. What baffles me is why. He's got the nomination of these people. As Mitt Romney's advisor said, you do have to shake the etch-a-sketch at some point. I don't think he's worried about Nikki Haley being more racist and snatching the GOP nod away from him. 
I mean, is it is he just unhinged? Because it sure seems like these quotes have been passed through a lot of hands of speechwriters. I think he's just a racist. I mean, this is a guy whose first wife said he slept with a volume of Hitler speeches by his bed. Yeah. This is a guy who came out and started his campaign by saying Mexicans were rapists. This is a guy whose first act in office was to try to implement an unconstitutional ban on people coming into this country um, based on their religion, a Muslim ban, which got struck down by the courts and he tried again. And as recently as as a week ago, he said, no, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it bigger this time. And by the way, I'm going to set up concentration camps and I'm going to deport 10 million people. And, you know, I think the, the you know, you say you're baffled by it. I'm baffled by it. There's big cognitive dissonance. But there are a bunch of recent polls that show a substantial number as, you know, about half, some cases more than half of the Republican Party saying if violence is necessary to put their views in place, then there should be violence. If the president should bend the rules uh, in order to ensure that their views are uh, uh, put into place, it's okay. Um, they have drifted and they have become a party that is openly anti-democratic, yeah. pro-authoritarian, anti-constitutional, anti-rule of law, anti-fundamental rights for people. That's their identity. It's not an aberration, you know, and they're just you know, the thing that differentiates them from earlier versions of the Republican Party is they're not even looking for the figly of caring about the Constitution. They are just out there and they're saying, this is who we are. We are a party that is about preserving a minority rule in America. And that means white male Christian minority rule in America. That's, That's what it. they're about. If they had policies that would help the lives of non-millionaires, they'd never shut up about it, David. They'd never stop talking about the policies they wanted to pass that would help your bottom line for you and your family. But they don't. It's all Hunter Biden's laptop. It's all never-ending existential threats from marginalized peoples. And and thank you for calling out this stupid catchphrase, um, we're a republic, not a democracy. I used to hear that from entitled pricks back in college. Now we're actually hearing it from mainstream Republican politicians. Thank you for pointing out that America is both a republic and a democracy. Well, look, I mean, first of all, anybody who's read the Constitution or read any history knows that we're both saying we're a Republican, not a democracy is saying is like saying, uh, you know, we're a Toyota, but we're not a car. You know, it's 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 it just simply doesn't make any sense. But it's much more pernicious than it is stupid, because what it's doing is it's laying the groundwork for saying we're not a democracy. And you've got Senator Mike Lee, former Senator Rick Santorum, many members of the Congress, including the current Speaker of the House. We're all saying democracy is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as Mike Johnson, the speaker, put it, democracy is two wolves and a sheep sitting down to decide what's for dinner. Uh, and what does that mean? It means they oppose majority rule. That's it. it means they have to do whatever they can to preserve the rights of a shrinking minority That's that it. feels entitled 
because the flaws in our system in the past gave them disproportionate power. Um, and and yep. and that's why next year's election is not like any election we've ever had, because the fig leaf is gone and they've come out and said it. You want to choose a party that's opposed to democracy or do you want to choose a party that's pro-democracy? And there's no other issue. David Rothkoff, it is always an honor to have you join our show. Thank you so much for being here on a Friday night. Sir, what is the best way for our listeners on the podcast and live to follow you and keep up with all your doings? Well, I enjoy coming back here on your show, uh, John. I'm on Twitter, DJ at DJ Rothkoff, and the DSR Network, which is our podcast network, which um, I, th I think we just passed a million downloads a month, can be found right. at the DSRnetwork.com. And, uh, you know, I, I, both of those are good places and I'm, I'm great. We're all grateful if, if somebody goes and checks us out there. But I, I, you know, I particularly like the chance to sit here and talk to you about these things. Well, good. Then I'll drag you out more often. It's always a pleasure, David. Thank you so much for writing such great pieces and for joining us here on Progress and for your own career of public service. It's really a pleasure. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You have a good weekend, too.